Right, I think I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Cool. Let's rock and roll. Ding, 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 ding. Look at that. It's Friday and it's time for another episode. About a year ago, I did a conversation with uh, Ross from Black Harbor. Uh, some of you may know him. Uh, some of you may have listened to the episode. If you didn't listen to the episode, go back. It's episode 13 and have a listen to that one. Uh, so I caught up with him this week to chat about uh, what his plans were as a musician for 2020 and asked how his 2020 started and what are the plans looking like now under the current circumstances? So without wasting any time, let's slide into that conversation. What's happening? How are things going on your side? Yeah, all good on my side. Um, nothing, to, nothing to complain about. Yeah. Just been a bit... Uh, or keeping myself busy with, with writing and, you know, working on stuff that I've... Or practicing stuff. It's yeah. been a while since I did that, like actually sat and practiced. You know, you get so busy within the musical environment or whatever that you, you end up performing in whatever a lot. Um, but that uh, sort of childhood, I want to get really good at something kind of vanishes because you're so busy, you know? Yeah. So it's been cool to be able to do that. Lots of um, extra time to utilize for those kinds of things, which has been rad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. So just keeping myself busy with with music, really. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah, writing, recording a bit. Um, yeah. So I mean, at the beginning of the year, I mean, I'm sure you you had some grand plans for what 2020 was going to hold for you as a musician. Um, you went off to Italy at the beginning of the year. I don't think we've really spoken very much about your experience there. I can remember following I, you. I think a lot. Yeah, I think in the last time that we spoke in a more formal capacity, um, I was mentioning that it was in in the prep, you know, we were preparing to to do that. Yeah. Um, so essentially what the little tour was about was was going over and just establishing or just networking a bit um, and just establishing a sort of base that we want to work from within Europe, um, obviously because Kev is living there. Um, Kevin Hughes, our uh, founding member, co-founding member slash bass player. Um, so we went over and we played um, we played a few acoustic shows um, and set some of the groundwork for what we hoped we would be able to to use uh, to tour again, which would have been probably in September. Um, but obviously, that's all on a halt now. Yeah. That's all been put. So, um, so when did you actually go? Happening. When did you actually go? Um, was it in January that you went uh, to Italy? Yeah, mid Jan, mid Jan till in like just end of Jan. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, um, as I was there, I started seeing the news, uh, freaking out about this virus that was born in or produced or whatever in. Um, in, in China, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it, it didn't, honestly speaking, it didn't ring any bells. It didn't alarm me. You know, I was kind of on tour and I'm seeing this stuff like as I'm passing through venues and um, in the travels and it, it didn't really, really bug me. And when I got back um, to SA, that's when everything started becoming really serious. Yeah. We started seeing these numbers rising in like America and, places in Europe and whatever. And then obviously Italy was hit really hard by it, you know? Um, so I may or may not have dodged a bullet in that sense. But like I said, when I was there, it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing, you know? I, I, I saw a lot of people with masks um, in travels in public places, airports, you know, trains and stuff. But it didn't, it didn't register until I got back and we saw what was happening in Italy as well. Yeah. As China, then you know, I was like, "Wow, that's that's heavy." It's hectic, yeah. But I mean, how were the gigs mm. that you played while you were there? I mean, how many did you play? Uh, three, four. Okay. And what was the um, what was the, yeah. like, the feedback so, like from the people there? I think that it's a different culture, um, completely, and 
it was cool to, although we didn't i mean i didn't experience it um in its entirety or nearly as much as i would have liked to um what i did pick up from it was like i i, I definitely think that there's a a greater sense um for the appreciation of art and music um in europe and um in those kinds of places um like australia the us i would imagine as well um versus uh getting used to the kind of almost like an apathy that exists within the south african climate and it's not it's not a it's not a generalization that i'm trying to make it's just something that i've noticed maybe it's like the style of music that we play or the the genres maybe it's rock and roll i don't know yeah um but i definitely found something there um that was a a deeper sense of appreciation for what I'm doing than what I've found just as a general consensus. I'm not saying that's how it is and I'm not, um, I'm not pretending to be, you know, the voice of authority on how things are, but just from, from what I experienced, um, I do think that South African culture, I dare say white culture. Um, and I'll, I can maybe elaborate on that a little bit later, but, there's there's definitely like a kind of apathy that exists, uh, sort of like blasé. Um, you know, we're all upset now because we're at home, and uh, we can't go out to to gigs and stuff. But it's like when you do go, you you on your phone and you're making a noise and you're not really like indulging in the process of consuming art. You know, it goes two ways. Yeah, it comes from the artist, and that is shared with the you know, the listener or the viewer, and it's 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 a 50-50 relationship. Don't get me wrong, you know. The artist is only as important as where that art's going to go and what it does, yeah. you know. So I, I just find it, I don't mean to come across uh, as cynical as I'm sounding now because um, generally I have a, a positive outlook on things, but um, based on, on that experience, I, I felt that there is something... Uh, to use the word again, there is an apathy that exists within South Africans. It's like, ah, you know, we'd rather go to the bar and watch the band, but we'll get like, we'll have some drinks first, you know, yeah. and it will first be, as opposed to like, we're not really fussed if we just going to go out and watch the band and then go home, you know, where I think um, a lot of European countries in that, have got more of that kind of approach to the arts. Yeah, sure. It's more about the art than about the, you know, the alcohol. <laughs> Maybe that's how I should have summed it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, dude, just give me one second. What I want to do is, uh, they say the sound is a bit crackly, so what I'm going to do is I just want to try something and then they can just tell me if they can still hear us. Um, mm. If they just, if you give me a second here. Hello there out there in the in the okay. world of Facebook so we're just going to carry on talking uh, just want to see can you hear us can you hear us now um, let's just see if uh, if I get um, get some feedback here quickly dude you know like when you get to a point where you know your sound is working very well and then you try some new technology and then something goes wrong. Um, you start all over again. No, no, no. Like it irritates the living shit out of me. Okay. So, um, uh, just talk <coughs> so that uh, I just want them to see. Uh, I'll sing. Not really. <laughs> maybe later. Yeah, maybe later. <laughs> Okay. We yeah, I'm just checking now if they can hear both of us. If that's good, then we can oh, good to go because yeah. they did say the sound sounded better. I just wanted to make sure that they could see hear both of us. Um, just want to see if I can. They did say the sound sounded better. I just wanted to make sure that they could see hear both of us. Um. Let me see if I can. Yeah. Okay. Good. 
So um, when you guys went, okay, when you went across there and you were going to do these digs, uh, these digs, these gigs, um, did you, Yeah. what songs okay, did you decide that you were going to play? I so mean, um, you when you guys went, okay, when you went across there and you were going to do have these a playlist that you wanted to go with, because I know you did play, play a cover by one of my favorite blues artists from South Africa. Yeah, we did. We did have a basic wanted to go with because I know you idea of play, the set list, but we've never we've never really stuck to anything too solid, especially because I wasn't sure what would work um, with the new environment, you know. So oh, yeah, um, so we played um, like fifty fifty original stuff, Black Harbor stuff, and a few oh, a few covers, you yeah. know, as we do. Uh, or interpretational vibes, uh, more than more than outright covers, you know. Black Harbor stuff. So, um, a few yeah, I think you're talking about Mr. Mr. Petlansky. We did one of his tunes. Um, don't know if he knows. <laughs> we did um, yeah, a bunch of our own stuff, and just try to mix it up a little bit and see. And to be honest, the response kind of um, throughout the. It was a little tour, you know, so again, I didn't get a, a hell of a lot of um, time to to really, you know, um, become familiar with the landscape. But um, from what I did experience, it was really positive, you know, um, and really well received. Um, the first, I must be honest, though, the, the first venue that we played at, there was a kind of like, hesitation from the organizers i don't know if they maybe thought they're not sure what to expect yeah they didn't or, know what they were getting themselves into <laughs> yeah you know, like uh, what's you know and it was like i think it was a thursday night um everything ha it was obviously still winter and everything happens late um so we only started the gigs at like 10 or plus 10 at night you know yeah. it's already been dark for five hours um it's freezing cold and yet like we played small venues like 50 60 seaters but they were full like all of the shows you know um for five hours so that was very cool it's freezing cold um so we rock up to sound check uh at this venue and it's like freezing and there's nobody there it's like we probably get that like six starting um the setup and whatever and there's definitely like a tension you know and the, there's this language barrier as well oh, yeah because you know um the owners and the organizers and they don't speak english or don't speak english very well and we don't speak any italian i sound like a complete idiot and uh you know the only not to sound cheesy but the only language that we both understand is we're going to play some blues you know <laughs> so start getting going and start playing and then it's like the tone just changed like okay yeah i think these guys know what they're doing you know we it's not like we were gonna fly out to italy to play some music if we didn't think that we could that we could do it you know so maybe um maybe it just it, it settled down like quite quite nicely after that you know and that's that's all we could really hope for yeah really hope to achieve yeah yeah and like how long how long were you cool playing for like how many songs were you playing we played pretty long sets. We played for like two hours. Okay. You know, just Kevin and I. So it wasn't like a full band. It was just um, it was just a duo. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we we did play pretty long. Um. Also because we would be like the only the only artists or, or whatever performing, um, at each of the places. So. Um. Obviously, if if it was going down well. There was no point for us to just can it, so oh, we yeah. just kind of absolutely. Yeah, we just kind of owned it, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, so that was cool. So, I mean, the whole the whole idea was that you wanted to go back and play this this other festival or whatever you want to call it later in the year. I mean, yeah. did you guys get any yeah, feedback yeah. from from the gigs that you did play there? Nothing that I can really talk about okay. um, per se, because it's not you know there's nothing that's really been cast in concrete yeah. or any everything's up in the air so there was some feedback from some of um from some of the organizers and whatnot but um nothing everything is in such chaos at the moment that there's there's no telling you know what the next 
two months is going to look like for the musical landscape, for festivals, for live events, you know, big gatherings of people and so forth. Yeah. Um, so it's very off the cuff at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, towards the end of, well, I mean, from my um, feeling, I mean, you, you as a band or you as a musician had quite a good year last year. I mean, you were playing quite a few gigs. Um, mm did the radium you were playing at the hard rock in Joburg on a regular basis you were playing out in Pretoria a couple of times I mean going into 2020 I'm uh, I'm sure you were hoping that it was just going to go to the next level um I think in a funny way it it has um because you know you you either sink or swim and um what this has done, like I mentioned, is, is given me the opportunity to kind of refine some things that I've been working on for a long time or may not have had time to work on. So I was, um, I was lucky, I've been lucky in the last like two years to be extremely busy with, uh, with the band and with the solo stuff. And like you said, playing quite regularly um, all over the country, really. Um, and um, I definitely feel like I got to a point where there's something that I wanted to work on more seriously and it would require a little bit of downtime. And that's exactly what this has provided. So although I had some, um, some goals, um, for this year, it's, it's definitely forced me to adapt those and maybe just change them or just put them on the, um, just put them on hold for the time being while for this year, it's, it's I utilize this time to to write, record, um, create new music, um, and formulate a, a sort of plan or what I think the plan should be going forward. And um, as soon as things get up and going again, which I believe they will, um, hopefully we've used the time wisely enough to start establishing uh, those new grounds. Yeah. Sorry, I was just. Uh, reading some comments there, they said you disappeared for a moment. So. God, I hate technology. <laughs> when it's working, it's working. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So, um, so have you? Have you? You did a couple of live um, live shows recently. What with um, Discover TV and all that? How did the? How did that work out? In the stream. You? Yeah, in the stream. Yeah, live stream. Um. To be honest, it's a bit it's a bit strange. It doesn't really feel like home to me. Um, but again, it's something that I've you know I've uh, I want to get used to, or I, I want to try to perfect it to the best of my ability. Um, I haven't done anything very serious, you know. So I've sort of done these live streams like kind of off the cuff. Yeah. Um, help out here, help out there, which is fine. It's cool. Um, but I'd, I'm busy prepping um, something for the 18th of May, which is coming up now. I think it's actually going to be released tomorrow, Okay. the, the event. Sure. Um, so I'll give you all the details for that. Um, so I wasn't going to I wasn't gonna talk about this as yet, but since we're here talking <laughs> then. Um, so, yeah, so the 18th of May is um, the third anniversary of the death of my hero, I guess, um, Chris Cornell. Oh yeah. So I decided, <clears throat> I've decided to do like a kind of tribute show, if you want to call it that. Nice. Um, done in a live stream to like the '90s musicians. Uh, so it's going to be um, doing music from Soundgarden, Audio Slave, um, Nirvana, and Alice in Chains. Um, so I've been working on that. Like the vocal stuff is pretty challenging. Okay. <laughs> so I've spent a lot of time. Yeah. Um, any singer will know that like seeing uh, any of those artists is, is pretty tough um, vocally. So I've just been working on that a lot. Um, so that's going to be on the 18th of May and it will be like a Facebook live stream. Yeah. So there, all those event details will be up tomorrow. Awesome. That sounds good, man. Yeah. Yeah, so that that will be something that I'm, I've, I'm like working towards pretty hard, and I want to make it a bit more special. I think 
I understand where the live stream has come from and why artists are utilizing it, yeah. but I think that it's become heavily saturated very quickly. And there's a lot of like poor quality control that's come out um, from people just posting stuff online all the time, every day. You know, it's it uh, loses, for me at least, it loses a little bit of um, the quality of, of what you're doing and it's just quantity. And in some aspects, it's cool. Um, but it, it can become kind of overwhelming or in your face, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that was what I wanted to ask you. I mean, because, you know, the whole idea of doing it live, uh, well, I mean, when you do it live, there's this, there's this, it's a different dynamic because you don't have any sort of feedback from your audience per se. Um, because, you know, with other musicians that I've spoken to, you know, like they feed off that energy. I mean, when I was speaking to Dan, he was saying that, you know, like sometimes he has a bad night and he's not feeling it, but the crowd's not feeling it either. And then he says like, he'll just play his set and, you know, it'll be what it is. But he says then sometimes you'll be at, say for instance, the barnyard or whatever, and it's a good group of people. And he, and he like almost feeds off that energy and he like, he puts extra effort into, you know, the gig that he's playing. I mean, how did you find that now you're just playing on a live stream and it's just basically maybe two of you sitting there i mean that's exactly so i think you've you've pretty much um summed up like my my exact kind of uh, response to the live stream as well is that uh the the um the point of performing live is it for is for it to be live yeah and that that interaction um like i said it's a 50 50 it's um it's the artist and it's the audience you know and the audience is like for me more important than, than me even being there it's the vibe that exists you know and that electricity that's created by like a good crowd or a bunch of people who want to just rock and roll um so i think that there's a place for this live stream um but is it something that i would want to do as a you know, a more permanent thing? No, <laughs> not really. Yeah. Um, but there's there's space for it to be done, and I think if it's done in the right way, I think if if what you if what you are performing or what like the messages that you're trying to get across or what you're trying to do is is still honest and authentic, then it it will hold some value. You know, you can get feedback um, in a different way, perhaps um, from the live stream that's not really or that exists within a digital environment that's not really um, plausible to all live environments. For example, um, the, the after feedback, you know? So it's not only the immediate response that you get from the crowd, but people that are engaging with it in real time, you know, enables you to see that later on. Sure. Um, and be able to maybe connect with somebody who you may have missed in the chaos of a live show, yeah. you know? So there are there are benefits to it as well. Maybe a way to get involved with uh, fans and that in a more personal sense yeah. than than what you may be able to do at a live show. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, the other point that you made about doing a live stream like that, well, the fact that there's so many people all of a sudden doing it at various levels of um, quality, you know, as you were saying, is that um, all of a sudden you're competing. No, I say competing, but, you know, like you say, there's, you know, it's like saturated and all of a sudden, you know, how do you differentiate yourself from the other guy that's doing the same thing at the same time on the same day mm. kind of thing? And, um, yeah, so it must be difficult because another, another, another thing I was thinking about the comparison between doing a live gig and a live stream is that, like, for instance, if you were playing at an establishment like the Hard Rock or Calexico or wherever – um, the chances are there will be people that are there to come and watch and listen to you, or your band. And then there are other people that will be there just by chance that A, might have heard you before or B, might never have heard you guys before. And they just happen to be at the establishment like Calexico. I mean, you don't really get that kind of situation on a live stream. You know, there will be specific people that are coming to listen to you and it's very seldom, I don't know, maybe maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's very seldom that someone's going to, on a Facebook live stream, is going to just stumble upon your 
upon your feed? I, th I think there's ways to go about um, mitigating that response, which is essentially marketing of the event. Okay. So, you know, so um, if you're, I, I, I definitely hear where you're coming from, but what I think is that <coughs> there are a lot of ways to draw traffic to your pages, your socials, etc. that artists haven't always been using to their full advantage in the past anyway. So if you already have like a massive establishment, you know, some hotshot um, celebrity, yeah, then, then you've got it right. So all the traffic will be coming there, you know, and the stream or the live thing or whatever is going to be seen by, you know, thousands or millions of people um, versus um, somebody who decides to do the show like this afternoon, you know, on a whim, it's a great idea for me to do a live stream and then nobody pitches up, yeah. so to speak. It's 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 the case, you know. The, the the biggest thing is about like how many people actually knew about it, yeah. you know, and how far did you go to to get it out there? So, again, is it better to do it um, more often with with less with less of a, a viewing, or is it better to make sure everybody that you can think of knows about it, and you've put in all the steps to make sure that they they know about it and that those streams become better quality and, and are viewed and ultimately benefit um, the viewer and the artist um, to the fullest extent. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I think you make a very good point. And, um, you know, just talking about uh, advertising live streams, this one that we're doing now was just on a whim. <laughs> I didn't have a chance to advertise it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we we sort of because um, I said let's 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 have a conversation and record it, and I'll. My plan was that I would release it on Friday as a podcast, and he said, "Well, why don't you just live stream it?" So here we are. Well, at least at least we got some. Well, some we got some people uh, uh, watching and listening. We got uh, well Peter Collett and Michelle Rama and uh, Ashley. They they all listening. So shout out to them for thank you very much for just dropping by. Well. I I still don't think that uh, it's an exact science. So yeah. just to uh, save our save ourselves there, <laughs> um, there's a quote by somebody that says that 50% of the money you spend on marketing is wasted. Okay. But which 50%? Yeah, yeah. Which 50%? So yeah, there's no exact there's no exact <laughs> science as to how this all works, you know. Um, but I think it's about keeping it fresh and keeping it interesting and keeping people engaged. And as much as um, we make art and music is is an art form, it's also undeniably become a product. We 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 are all like consumers within this um, capitalist society, you know, whatever you want to call it. And like and unless we find a way to deconstruct those those things we are going to be working within those those grounds forever and that means you know marketing spending money on it and getting it out there and making sure people would hear you yeah. you know and doing everything you can um to get your message across in the most effective way possible yeah but i mean like you were saying now with this gig that you're planning to do um is that I think that's like the right approach, like you're saying. It's 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 themed around a particular uh, artist uh, and the the bands that he was involved in. You know, it's a it's a you know it's a passion for you because you're passionate about their music, about him as a musician, and uh, like you say, you've got some time. You can advertise it. People can look forward to that event, pencil it in, and make sure that they you know they tune in when you when when you do that live stream. So, eh? Eighteen May. 18 May. 18 May, yeah. Yeah. You heard it. Yeah. You heard it here first. Nowhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All four people listening now, please go people. tell four of your friends and they must go tell four of their friends and word of mouth. Marketing word of mouth. By word of mouth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I was talking about messages and I don't know if there's any particular like political underlying message or whatever what I'm doing. Yes. I think it, it definitely has to be more with art and appreciation for music. Um, and although I've been um, playing in this blues band for three, four years, 
um, underneath or in my core, really. I'm just uh, I'm just a kid who who likes '90s rock and roll, you know, yeah. basically. And I I sort of ran from that for a while, um, just as I try to expand my understanding of music and who I am as a as a musician and an artist. So I think that's where I started getting into the blues so deeply is is finding out how much it influenced all the music that I like. And that's what what hooked me onto that, you know? And that's become part of my, my core style, um, maybe on top of or embedded with this uh, profound love that I have for um, this 90s rock and roll thing that, you know? And I I hate to use the word grunge, but like, yeah, yeah. like grunge, grunge rock. I just, I think that term is so loaded with horseshit. Excuse my French, but... I just, um, yeah, but that's essentially what I'm talking about. Those kind of bands, yeah, you know, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Madison Chains, mm, Nirvana. Yeah. I mean, didn't uh, Pearl Jam release an album recently? Have you listened to it? Yeah, yeah. And thoughts? I have listened to it. And thoughts? Uh, I think that Pearl Jam is one of the hardest working bands on earth, and I think they've, if you if you really weigh it up. They are the only band from that kind of era who's kept really doing what they do from day one until now. Yeah, you know, in that sense, like the other bands lost members and disbanded and got back together and whatnot. You know, so there've been a a few more variables um, with those with those bands versus um, Eddie Vedder and Co. Yeah, it just it seems like they're just kind of like push through but they've always um, had this thing from the beginning that they started that um this understanding that they they all go off as artists and go and do other collaborations other work other you know hook up with other bands do other albums and then every couple of years they come together and they they do an album and off they go again kind of thing so i think i i, I, think, I can remember yeah, I, sorry man i can remember watching a a, a youtube interview with eddie vedder where he was exp- he explained the um, you know the fact that the fact that they do that is one of the reasons why they've been a, a band that's still around with the same members, s- still pretty successful. Yeah, I think there's a few. Um, I think there's a few dynamics you take into consideration with regard to a band. Um, if you're stuck with the same bunch of guys for like 30 years, you're bound to get sick of each other, <laughs> you know, at some yeah, point. Yeah. Um, that's the first thing. And if you're stuck doing the same thing over and over and over for 30 years, you know, even if it's rock and roll, you're probably going to get sick of that. Um, <laughs> so I think finding new influences and expressing yourself in different ways just um, enable one to be... Uh, to keep it fluid and to keep to keep finding out how to do things better and to keep rediscovering the, the sort of passion that you have for your craft or whatever in the first place you know that's why artists um, hopefully mature develop you know develop their craft become better at what they do um, and more versed in it you know you don't want to hear the same album being written over and over and over and there's like a great band to um, think about in that sense is like Love Them or Hate Them is Metallica. You know, they've 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 been pros at that, but like kind of reinventing themselves yeah. over the years to stay relevant. Um, so, um, yeah, I just think that it's important as an artist to be involved with as much art as you can, you know, as much music as you can so that you... You never want to become stale. You never want to be doing the same old formula, unless you're ACDC. <laughs> then somehow it just yeah. It doesn't matter what it song. Just works. Doesn't matter what song they play. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know it's ACDC because it's just yeah. They there's something <laughs> yeah. They just figured, yeah. They just figured out how to like <laughs> put something together that just like just kept working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, talking <laughs> about band members um, falling by the wayside, I think what there's only one. Uh, I believe Brian Johnson's coming back, but um, 
But Angus Young is probably the last man standing there. Yeah, barely. Barely. <laughs> barely. <laughs> I mean, like, if we talk about these bands, I mean, you know, I start thinking about the kind of bands that I'd love to be able to see live. ACDC is one of them. Okay, Metallica I've seen live. Pearl Jam is another band I'd love to see live. But I'd love to see them in, a, in, a, in an environment, like a small venue, you know, maybe smaller than the barnyard kind of thing. I don't know. What do you like? A nice acoustic set. What what bands would you like to no, see? I think different. Oh, there's so many. Um, it's not a question I've thought about for so long, but like, um, you actually caught me off guard. Now I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> okay, well, think but, about uh, it. I think, I think, yeah, I think that the, the 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 like the essence of what you're saying is that there's um context plays a huge role in um in music or anything live so watching like a mega band like metallic or whatever in a in a in a stadium it is a phenomenal experience you know but seeing seeing um like a stripped down acoustic show like in a small club or something is you know as as of an amazing experience but in a different context you know so, and each of these artists, um, it should be, I reckon, should be able to lend them their, their skills to those environments because they create different uh, experiences for people, you know? And that's why you, that's why you want to go to a show in the first place, you know? You don't want to, <coughs> you don't want to, excuse me, go there and, um, like, gruel through it because you don't really want to be there but then you get to post on Facebook that you went I mean some people want to do that <laughs> but um, you know like don't watch one song but then it's like oh my god like, <laughs> this has been amazing yeah. you know um, but you want to go for experience because you want to you want to take something in from being there you know yeah it's like I think all the artists that I really want to see are all dead uh, so that's what are we talking? That Jimmy Hendrix. Of, um, yeah. You know, those kind of guys. Talking like Hendrix and like BB King. Yeah. You know, and those kind of. I'd love to have a time machine and just go back and experience that kind of music. Like in its. Like, you know, birth on like this electric, chaotic thing that was happening with um, like the blues and, and whatever, yeah. you know? But I mean, can that's, you imagine? That's kind of what I like. Can you imagine if 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 Jimi Hendrix hadn't passed away? I mean, I wonder what kind of other music he would have brought out. Because I mean, I mean, in reality, he actually didn't have a very long career. What was it? Spanned ten mm -hmm. years maximum. I think it was. Yeah, I don't know the. Um, I don't know what the chronology of his career is exactly, but I mean, he was only twenty-seven yes. when he when he when he when he died like uh, like a lot of you know a lot of artists Kurt Cobain as oh, well while we're on that 27 topic 27 club eh? it's it's, you know, it's, strange, it's a strange thought because um, those artists for me have always been like the I don't know this almost like this untouchable entity you know like Hendrix um, 27 years old you know like you know god of guitar yeah and this year I turned 27 and this weird Ooh. chill. Ooh. Yes, of course. Me, yeah. <laughs> no, not because I'm, no, not because I think I'm, I'm a, a hero, just because I'm the same age yeah, as what yeah, they were yeah. and how much they'd accomplished compared to what, how much I feel like I've accomplished, yeah. you know. They were like on this whole other level and I'm like, it's not like a, a childhood thing anymore. It's like I'm the same age as what, what those guys were and I'm like, I still feel like I'm so far away from where I want to be. Yeah. Um, musically, you know. Yeah. Well, talking about your birthday, unfortunately, I, I didn't make your birthday at the <laughs> radio. Sorry about that, buddy. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna have to terminate yeah. this right now. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to make it up to you somehow. So how was it? Yeah. How was it? I mean, it was your birthday. Was, You're playing a gig at the radio. Yeah, it was one of the coolest shows of my life. Awesome. Maybe the coolest show of my awesome. life. Um, so that was on the 14th of March, 
yeah. which is a significant date um, in SA because uh, Uncle Cyril made his announcement the next day. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, with regard to chaos and disaster in the world. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so luckily it was sold out. Um, the show was sold out. Like, I mean, we're regulars there now, so we've built up like a pretty cool following and we love the radio. Um, and uh, we had we had some guests. Um, Pepe Domeski from uh, Gunshot Blue slash, he's the owner of SA Hardcore Tattoos. Uh, he's a pal of mine. He, he, he graced us uh, with his guitar prowess on the stage as well, which was awesome. Awesome. Um, just to share it with friends and it was just such a cool show and it was packed and everything was amazing and it was so funny like we were like backstage if you've ever been to the radio yeah. you know like yeah. backstage there's an old upstairs section yeah. you know with pool tables and stuff and we like hanging out there having a cigar you know and we set the scene for you like you know Pepe loves his cigars yeah. we got like some good whiskey and just having a chill and I was like guys uh, we really need to go and smash it out there tonight because I don't think we're going to be able to do this for a while. And the guys are like, nah, it's <laughs> going to be fun, man. Like, nah, it's not. <laughs> so we went out and smashed it anyway. And um, luckily so, because the next day, um, yeah, Uncle Cyril said, listen, you can't do this anymore. Yeah, sorry for you. You guys, need to, yeah, you guys need to stay at home. So, uh, <laughs> crazy, yeah. yeah, crazy. It was, yeah, it was pretty intense, but uh, being like a birthday celebration and like a rock and roll 27 number or whatever, it was, it was, it was just a cool, it was just a really cool experience. Well, definitely, I mean, you've got some, you know, memories around that. I mean, 27 birthday at the radium the day before the world changed forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, never to be, never to be the same again, kind of thing. Because I mean, who knows when this is going to end? And I mean, even even when Cyril pulled the trigger, I don't think we actually realized what the what the impact was going to be. You know, it's only as the days unfolded <coughs> and the weeks went by and things were looking a bit bleaker and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, what I mean, what thoughts were going through your mind? I mean, I'm sure you had gigs gigs planned and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, well, like in one in one fell swoop, my years worth of gigs were all canned. Yeah, you know, like basically. So the the fourteenth was Saturday. So the fifteenth was Sunday. Monday, like pff, no more gigs. Mm. Just yeah, not only me. I mean, like the whole music industry in South Africa just like crumbled. Yeah, um, and that was extremely difficult for for a lot of people. Fortunately enough. Um, I I wasn't that badly affected by it because I've had I've got means in in, in place to be able to um, to sustain myself, you know, where other artists and musicians may not. Yeah. Um, so understandably, it's been a very very trying time for the music industry and and for musicians and artists and not only musicians and artists. And obviously, we're just speaking in that context. Yeah. For everybody, it's been. It's been tough, but uh, for a lot of people, they could kind of carry on with things for a while after that, where musicians just lost their shows like the next day. Yeah. You know, it's gone. Yeah. Um, so that that salary that you're expecting or waiting for, whatever, is just like it's not there. You know, mm. um, a lot of people have have turned to the online world um, to try to um, you know make ends meet and whatever, which is I think great in its own sense because it's it's developing a different kind of um, approach to you know how you work and why you work. Um, so, for example, like you know the live streams um, and other and other platforms. Um, like I've been teaching guitar online, for example, yeah. which is something that I haven't done in years, okay. um, and it was just a cool idea to to start to do that, and it's been it's been really rewarding. Um, just to share a bit of knowledge that I've uh, I've gained um, over the over the years of playing and performing, and it's a little bit more tailored to um, one's experience of the music industry as opposed to like 
this is a G, mm. this is a A. I'm not really that kind of guy. It's more of a practical slash conversation, sure. you know. And I mean, are you doing that one on one, or yeah. you doing that one on one with people? Yeah, I can, like, I can give you a guitar lesson right now. Bro. Go for it, dude. There we go. Where's your guitar? Uh, you know, uh, it's over here. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's been as simple as that. Um, but again, I, I've had the the band and um, my own like um, career to kind of help me with clients and you know become more established. Where some artists may have been struggling, maybe they don't have the means in place. I don't know. Yeah, <clears throat> just the, I'm just sort of speculating. Um, but yeah, I know that for a lot of people, it's been it's been tough. Yeah. It's been tough. Yeah. But I definitely think that this time should be used to your best advantage. And I mean, I speak from a position of privilege. So what I'm saying is not, um, is not going to resonate with everybody because everyone has got different circumstances. But if you have been in a position where your basic necessities, et cetera, are, are taken care of, then I think it's up to you to utilize that time to really make something of it you know if you need a downtime you know from burnout from the rat race then you should have used it for that you know if there was a new skill that you wanted to develop you know that shed that you didn't paint whatever you know um if there's a business idea that you've had that you've been meaning to put together and you've got the time do it you know and for people fortunate enough to be in the positions to be able to if you haven't utilized the the time i think it's just weeks months that you've wasted yeah you know yeah um and uh one thing that i think um uh, has become very important to me in my life is the concept of time and how you utilize your time um and turning 27 was that uh, sort of the um, epiphany yeah. you know like just realizing moment. that there's there's a lot that you can get done in a 24-hour day. Yeah, know? yeah. So I must admit, like for me, I mean, okay, not from a musician's point of view, but just from a, you know, a guy that's, you know, got a busy life, you know, work, play, that kind of stuff. I, I think, you know, having this sort of like lockdown where you've got no choice but to, you know, adjust how, you, how you're living, um, you do start to... Um, uh, you know, the things that you've taken for granted, like spending time with your friends. Uh, you know, all of a sudden you realize, okay, I'm not going out and, and hanging with my mates anymore. I can't go grab a beer, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cool on my own and all that kind of thing. But like all of a sudden I, I, I'm like, sure, I'm missing spending time with my mates, you know. And I'm, you know, trying to keep in contact with them on WhatsApp and all that. But it's not the same. And do video calls like this, it's, again, not the same. So I'm looking forward to that first sort of official get out and go have a have a beer, come watch Black Harbor play their first gig, you know, when so you know what I'm yeah. saying is that you start appreciating those things that you took for granted. Uh at least I do. And and like you say, I mean, uh the first week or two I was like, uh, oh, just ambling around. You know, it's almost like I was on holiday but I was still working, you know, and I hadn't really thought about okay, okay, how how am I going to change things um, to take advantage of, let's say, in inverted commas, the extra time that I have on my hands? And like you say, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, look, I mean, like you say, everyone's in a different studio, uh, situation. Everyone's dealing with it in a different way. Everyone's got different challenges, etc. But yeah, I suppose also in a way, it also, you know, I've started connecting with mates around the world that I haven't spoken to for for years. Yeah, we've dropped a message, you know, here and there and whatever. But I mean, it's actually, we've like taken time out, you know, do a Skype chat, catch up. And so I suppose there definitely are positives um, that have come out of this situation. Yeah, yeah there's, a lot of, there's a lot of development that we've been forced to utilize or, you know, we started utilizing, which have been at our disposal, you know, um, for years that we just haven't used. Yeah. Um, and the biggest tool is the internet and the, <laughs> the amount of garbage that I see 
on the internet like it's just staggering yeah and um like the amount of memes and like jokes and absolute shit that exists on the internet you know and like this i mean it's got its place as well um drawing some humor out of out of like dark situations like i'm the first one for like some some dark humor you know but there's so much at like at your disposal just on your on your cell phone you know yeah and how much of the time is just wasted like sharing like bullshit <laughs> online it just really yeah it, it baffles me man <laughs> um like you said there's been time to catch up with people you know um get something going like send a you can communicate with anybody in the world at any time yeah you know anywhere yeah you know and that's like that's so powerful but yet people don't use that to their their fullest you know and there's nothing stopping you from messaging you know 50,000 people um to get your business going or something you know and it's that's exactly where the where the world is at so i just feel like um people's excuses in their in their lives are are just excuses you know is again within a speaking from a kind of privileged um, position but i think that like yeah i can go on about this a little bit I feel feel strongly that you need to go there and get your shit together oh it's true you i know? think i think um I think we have to make the most of the situation. And like you say, I mean, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for people to think about things differently, try and do things differently. And when we come out of this, whenever that may be, you know, life will be different. We'll do things differently. You know, like you were saying, you know, this whole thing about the internet. And so if I talk about the podcast, uh, just before the lockdown, I was busy putting together a podcast studio at my place here. And it's basically, it's it's finished now, but it's not being used because, you know, my whole idea was that I want to do face-to-face -face conversations with people. And I thought that that's a lot better than doing it like we're doing um, now. And, uh, but obviously now I've been forced to do it this way to keep the podcast going and it's, and it's working well. And I mean, I've, you know, even now again, you have a sound issue, but um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's 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 opened me up to something that I wouldn't have been done uh, doing before because I was resisting doing it as a video call like this. And then what I've realized is now is that by doing that, you limit yourself to the kind of people that you can have conversations with, especially if you want them face to face. I mean, before the lockdown, I was um, planning a trip down to Cape Town to go and do some podcast conversations. So I was going to fly down to Cape Town go there for a week, visit my folks, visit the family. But then the, during that week, I was planning to do like something like, I don't know, seven or 10 podcast conversations uh, because I wanted to do them face to face, which would be nice to do. But you do realize that now all of a sudden you can't do that. So the people that are down in Cape mm -hmm. Town that I wanted to have a conversation with, well, what do I do? Do I put that on hold or do I embrace the, you know, the technology side of being able to call them up on a Skype call, set it up in a format like this and get it out, you know, get the conversation out to the people. So definitely without yeah. the lockdown, I wouldn't have realized, or maybe I would have eventually, but I was resisting the whole technology thing. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, the, the point that I was making a little earlier is just about adapting. You know, that's, uh, if, you, if you become too fixed on a way that something is supposed to work, um, your whole world will crumble if you think that thing's not working until you realize that there is a different way to do it. There is another way to do it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's all that people need to realize is that they need to keep an open mind to be able to adapt. Yeah. You know? And like, what's your feeling? Yeah. What are, what's your feeling about like the venues that you used to play at that now during this time? Oh, man. I mean, Calexico is gone. I know venues are, are absolutely, you know, they've been smashed by this. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's I've I've got my heart really sore for um, for a lot of venues and and organizers and and that you know. Um, 
it's really a tricky one. Um, I, I guess the only thing that they have is like resilience, you know, or, or you know, I, I don't, I can't really comment on it too much because I'm not in there. Uh, I wouldn't be so like arrogant to give them my, my two cents worth of what of what's going on. All I can say is that I just feel my heart is bleeding for for um for the live for the live venues and and places that require like a lot of people, you know, um, and uh, social gatherings and that. I know that 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 kind of those people have been affected by this thing, you know, massive away, you know. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, yeah, yeah I don't think the venues are the only businesses that are, are suffering, but I was just thinking that, I mean, like, some of the establishments might still be there afterwards, who knows? Some of them won't. I mean, there's opportunity for new venues at a later stage. Um, so I suppose there are opportunities, again, for people to re-look at the, at the whole venue thing. Um, mm. Yeah. I think out of the chaos, there will definitely be good. And I, I do have a a positive approach to everything that's happening. I do feel like there's there's going to be positive changes that come from from all of us. I think that the I think when everything starts to settle and the tide sort of goes out again, that um, people will be hungry for live music. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and for for live environments, and as and as soon as people realize that it's when we get to that point where it's safe, um, and people feel safe to be in crowds and so forth, I, I definitely feel like there'll be a, a revival in uh, in the live environment. You know, mm. it, it, and I mean we've seen it. It's not the same doing. Um, yes, there's a benefit to being able to to work online and so forth. And I think in a lot of instances. Like companies who don't need to have uh, staff present, you know. You've seen how many people involved in computers and IT, etc., can all work from from home, from you home, know. Yeah. So keep it like that. Yeah. Save overheads of spending like millions on uh, rent and so forth. Um, but where you do need to be in that in that live environment and you do need to be with people, um, I do think people will be really hungry to 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 go all out with those with those kinds of events and those kinds of environments and I'm looking forward to that I just yeah. hope I can catch that wave so what what level what level do we have to be in South Africa for these like like a live gig to happen I mean what level one level, level minus one level minus one <laughs> uh, so have you have you have you tried to sing with a mic with your face mask on not possible man <laughs> you're just in it yeah. you know uh, not yeah. yeah no that's not, hectic man not a thing <laughs> uh, not a thing as yet yeah well I look it's forward I look forward market. to that that first that first gig dude I can't wait as you are man uh, I I have yeah. to tell you I've been I've been re-watching some you know some video footage that I'd taken at different venues where the music box at um, Hard Rock uh, Radium, you know, just to listen to the stuff again, you know, it takes you back to that moment when, when you know, when one watched that stuff live. Pretty cool. Yeah, and it just does something for the soul. You know, live live music has always has always been a. Uh, like right in my soul, you know, yeah. right there in the blood. And there's just something about that energy and that, that, that feeling that is indescribable, you know, yeah. uh, it's just something so important to me. And like personally, I can't wait to get back yeah. on the stage. I mean, you must be missing um, it. That's yeah. Like I said, the, the downtime has been, has been great for the, the, the artistic process. Um, but you know, in a couple of months, you know, whenever we, whenever things are back up and running, I'm gonna make it happen. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. So um, I just, yeah, I wanted to talk about about your music per se. Uh, your like your creative side of things. Um, when you, because uh, I mean, uh, uh, a lot of your songs that you do are covers. Yeah. Uh, 
really enjoy your original stuff. I wish I wish when you were playing live gigs you played more of your original stuff. But I know I understand that the venue sometimes they want covers to be played, so that's fair enough. Um, but do you like to take a song by another band and make it your own? I mean, you've done that with uh, Queens of Stone Age. You've done that with White Stripes. I mean, during this time, are you looking, I mean, you're going to do some Chris Cornell stuff later on the 18th of May, right? Um, yeah, so I, th I think that um, the whole process I've been going through now is like kind of veering from the blues and I don't really want to speak about it too much because it's kind of under the radar. No, 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 you don't have to but talk about the, the, the um, Chris Cornell thing. Uh, but I'm just saying in general, I mean, do you enjoy uh, taking another... Uh, another artist's mm -hmm. song and then making it your own and then going and playing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's kind of how, like, I started building my my own style um, was not trying to copy anything to a T and just trying to build it up um, to how I might have written it, so to speak. Yeah. You know, um, or my performance. So it's it's always been... I think the the case in point is like the way that blues music is so easily you know um, put into an interpretive um, is interpret interpreted. Yes. And um, you know, different like it's the same essentially at its core, but it's it's performed differently by different artists and you know different voices and instruments and whatever. And that that's always been. Um, extremely interesting to me. Um, it's like two people can play the exact same note, but it doesn't sound the same. Yeah, sure. You know, it's just got a completely different feel. Um, so I think that sort of built the foundation of a lot of our uh, of our sound, and also it's it's also had to do with um, the band being really new and kind of getting. Or establishing some sort of familiarity with people who may not have seen the band before, um, and if you're not familiar with the with the original material, um, then you will possibly be familiar with some of the covers, you know. Yeah. Especially if it's a similar style to the music that you like. Yeah. Um, but we're kind of we're kind of falling from that as we as we progress, and like I said, a lot of the the time spent has been writing new music and prepping for that maybe like the next journey of uh, of the band so yeah that's kind of where we where we're heading towards you know is to just uh, defining it even more or uh, or undefining it even more yeah 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 that's good stuff dude so we up for yeah. up for an hour i think that's a good, <clears throat> that's a good uh, critical mass good chat yeah so would it work if you played a song now? Um, I tell you what, let me save it. Okay. For the next one. Yeah. That we do. Yeah, sure. Because I don't have any. I don't have anything prepped right now. Okay. You know. I'll put you on the spot, man. I'll put you on the spot. But yeah, you put me way on the spot, man. Then that just means that we look forward to the next time. Yeah, hundred percent. Thank you for having me. Awesome, man. Yeah. So I'll see you. See yeah. You later. So what I'll do is I'll I'll um I'll release this as a podcast on Friday as well. I've recorded the sound. I've recorded the video. Um, with those minor minor technical issues in the beginning, but I think I've ironed those out. It's so difficult to test it, though. You know, like I'm. Anyway, I try to. I, I screwed it up on Saturday. I was doing a live feed with some other mates of mine, and I screwed it up. And uh, it was like this whole echoing thing. And here I'm, they busy talking, and I'm trying to flip and, you know, mess around with the technology to get the damn thing right. Eventually got it right, but by then everyone had left. So, <laughs> oops. Anyway, we live in, uh, well. we live and learn. We live and learn. So I mean, as in closing. Yeah. Have you ever had a bad sound experience where you've gone to do a gig and it's just one of those days that nothing, you know, everything's going wrong, the sound's not the way that you want it to be? I think a more suitable question would be, have I ever had a good sound oh. gig? 
That would be a closer. That would, and I can say, yeah, this one time in 2017, yeah. I had a pretty. It was pretty close. Yeah, it was hooked up. Yeah, yeah it was hooked up. Well, but, I mean, the sound is sound is such a an untamable thing. I mean, like we have all these things we can do to try to get it as, but it's it's never perfect. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. never perfect. There's always a variable yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, how <laughs> do you find? Like you're playing in different venues all the time. Some of them are closed. Some of them are open. Like I mean, I mean, how do you? And then some will have their own sound equipment, like their own sound desk, like hard rock, or um, I mean, like you just end up establishing um, your own uh, sort of um, like the tools that you need, um, and you become like so used to how it needs to feel and. Often you'll have your own engineer, etc. who understands all the different technicalities, and you can try to get as close to your ideal sound as possible. Yeah. But like I said, it's never, it's never. So maybe that's some food for thought. <laughs> it's just tweak it until it works, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm, t- I'm, I don't, I don't get. I, I was a little bit flustered on Saturday because I was a bit pissed off because, uh, yeah. Anyway, I didn't know what the problem was, so. Eventually, I sorted it out, but yeah. But a lot of the time, most of the time, I don't get I don't get put off by the whole thing. But I was because generally, you know what you need to do to fix it. In this case, I didn't know what the hell I had to do to fix it, so I was a little bit peed off because I was a bit irritated because I was just frustrated. What does this? But trial and error. <laughs> oh, trial and error. Yeah. Anyway, cool, dude. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah thank you so Enjoy much. Enjoy the rest of your evening. 100%. Right. There you have it. Uh, it is definitely a, a tough and challenging time for a lot of people, including musicians. So if you have a favorite South African musician, keep an eye out on social media for some initiatives that they're putting out there to keep you entertained and try and support them in any way that you can. Right. And don't forget about Ross's Chris Cornell special that will be coming up on the 18th of May. And as always, thanks for listening. Uh, Don't forget to uh, follow um, on Spotify, uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and drop me a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Right, and don't forget, there are also live streams on a Saturday at 10 a.m., and you'll find those on YouTube and Instagram. That, my friends, is the end. I'll catch you next time.